I'm Mark Peterson, and this is Before, During, and After, a podcast from FEMA. For decades, FEMA has advocated and supported development of modern hazard-resistant building codes. In March 2022, FEMA approved a new national FEMA building code strategy to better align current building code requirements for our program missions, priorities, and policies. FEMA is also working with other federal partners on an integrated strategy and alignment on building codes for national implementation. So on this episode, as we continue through August, which is Resilience Month, we explore building codes and their importance for creating a more resilient nation. So let's talk about building codes. And to do that, we're gonna start with uh, Dr. Patia Scott from the Earthquake and Wind Programs here at FEMA. Dr. Scott, thanks for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me, Mark. And then uh, also we have uh, Juan Nieves from the Building Sciences Branch at FEMA. Juan, thanks. Hey, Mark, I'm super excited to be in your podcast. Yeah, great. Well, you know, building codes is such a hot topic right now. Um, There's so many things that are going on with regard to building codes, especially during Resilience Month, um, this month in August. And so let's uh, let's just start off with painting the picture. Tell me about building codes when communities are thinking about building codes and thinking about becoming more resilient. Uh, there's gotta be a lot of types of building codes out there. So you know, tell me a little bit about that. Sure, so the building codes that we mostly work with, it's the IBC, the International Building Code, the IRC, the International Residential Code, and the IEBC, which is the International Existing Building Code. That's the ones that uh, we work with at the code hearings with the International Code Council. They're the model building codes, so they're the nationwide, but then they can be adopted by local jurisdictions. The authority having jurisdiction, the AHJ, usually adopts them and enforces them uh, locally. It can be at the state level, a community level, or a, a tribe or territory level, and and they can adopt them and they can also amend them. So some local jurisdictions adopt them and then they might change it a little bit just based off of their local hazards. Uh, and hopefully they change it for the better for what's going on locally for them. But sometimes, unfortunately, sometimes they amend out things that would have helped them, but uh, maybe they are trying to help their constituents save money. So they they leave it out and they're a little more vulnerable in that situation. So is that an example where, you know, you can take the international code and then maybe uh, do things to make things even more um, resilient, I guess, or, or protective in some way? Yeah, you can. Um, I grew up in Oklahoma. I know more Oklahoma has um, kind of beefed up their wind provisions for residential so that uh, if a tornado comes through, you know, it's not going to stand up to an EF5, but a house on the outskirts of a tornado might survive a little bit better. And they did it for that reason. We have an example we did in Puerto Rico. Uh, FEMA supported the government of Puerto Rico in adopting the 2018 codes. And one thing that one uh, amendment that was added there was um, requiring corrosion resistant uh, connections everywhere in the island. Because typically, there's a distance from the coast to inland, right? But um, when we went out there after the Hurricane Maria and Irma, we noticed that the joints and the connections were corroded everywhere in the island. So 
we participated, we communicated, we collaborated with the Puerto Rican government and, and made those changes to the code. So that's another little example of how codes can be more, more resilient. But I, I have to say that the, the model codes are the minimum life safety protection. It's, um, for example, in an earthquake, it's, it's to keep the building from collapsing to where occupants can get out after an earthquake. But the building itself might actually have damage and it might even need to be demolished and rebuilt. But it will keep it in a design event. It will keep it from collapsing to where people can get out. So it's, uh, it's the, the minimums. Um, if we want to talk about beyond code, you know, performance-based design, uh, then you can design for more intense earthquake than what you would typically design for in a normal building. So the building codes are the, the minimum. So uh, from a FEMA perspective, when we when we get involved or we encourage communities to utilize uh, maybe, I guess, more resilient building codes, are we concerned about certain types of building codes over others? I mean, are we concerned about the whole gamut from both construction to electrical to plumbing? I mean, do we want to think about all of those? We are branches, the building science branches. We're focused on, on the building envelope, right? And the commercial and, and residential. And we're we're mostly focused on those three codes that Patia mentioned: the IBC, the RIC, and the IEBC um, that have those natural natural hazard resistant provisions in there. Um, you know, the wind, seismic, and, and float flood mostly. Something I, I would want to mention, though, we keep talking about codes. We also have standards. You know, we talk about codes and standards a lot. They're not the same thing. Um, the codes kind of tell you what you need to do depending on where you are and then the standards tell you kind of how to do it using building codes and standards uh kind of makes a designer a design professional look at risk for different hazards depending on the location of the building that they're building so um there's different risk categories which is like the risk to human life health and welfare associated with if that building was lost or damaged, how would that affect the community uh, or the lives within it? And depending on which risk category you are, you have different levels that you design the building to. So depending on which hazard it is that is going to control the design. So if you're in a high seismic area, you would typically build uh, a little more robust, you know, for a hospital, obviously, so it can resist maybe a higher, higher magnitude earthquake uh, or like if a hospital's in the middle of the Midwest, higher wind speeds, you kind of analyze the risk and you design for that. So, Patia, you you raised a really good um, point of distinction. So I'm wondering if you could just kind of walk me through the difference between a code and a standard. Sure. Uh, the building codes, you're going to use that um, to determine like your risk category. It'll tell you things that you need to design for. Like, and then the standards will tell you how to do it. It'll give you the equations the loads, everything that you need to figure out how to design it, plug that back in the code, you use the standard to fulfill those requirements. Great. And so um, from, you know, it's resilience month. And so how do building codes really impact the community's ability to be resilient? And, you know, as if I were an emergency manager, why do I need to really focus on the importance of um, improving that resilience through building codes? So to me, I refer to building codes as, as the foundation of resilience. They provide that minimum design and construction requirements to make 
building safer and more resilient, right? They provide that, that baseline, that, that safety net. Um, and in addition to that, uh, we know that building codes save money. The Natural Hazard Mitigation Saves 2019 report show an 11 to 1 return on investment when designing buildings to the 2018 IBC and IRC. And also FEMA's 2020 Building Code Saved Safe study showed that cities and counties with modern building codes would avoid at least 32 billion in losses from natural disasters. So, so we've done the studies. We we know that building code saves lives and money, and that's why it's a, a big, big, uh, big effort for us. Is that more dramatic on the coast versus, um, you know, in different parts of the country, or are you seeing those kind of benefits across the across the country? It overall. It's everywhere in the U.S. I mean, in the central part, we've got windstorms, derechos, tornadoes, big windstorms on the coast, hurricanes. They also have tornadoes and windstorms. And then um, certain areas of the country also have seismic, mostly on the west coast, I guess. But we also have some in the central and, and east coast as well, seismic areas. So. And floods, right? Floods yeah, happen floods everywhere. 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 So it's really a really an all hazards approach to um, making our construction more more resilient. You know, what is FEMA doing now to um, and, you know, maybe this is a good focus for this month. Uh, what are we doing to improve that resilience and improve building codes? So improving improving resilience, uh, one one uh, tool that communities have, and, and I think that the biggest tool is uh, the, hazard the, the billions of dollars that are available to hazard mitigation assistance. Um, we have post-disaster grants like Hazard Mitigation Grant Program or HMGP. And then we have blue sky programs like Flood Mitigation Assistance or FMA. And then the, the, the big one, the Building Resilient Infrastructure and Communities or BRIC. That's the most popular program out here. Um, and that program started back uh, two years ago with 500 million, then last year it was 1 billion, and this year what we're hearing is there's gonna be $2 billion to improve resiliency across the nation. So in my opinion, that's that's the biggest tool we have right now for, for communities to, to improve their, their resiliency. Yeah, and, and uh, part of that is uh, also our building code strategy, right? So when did the building code strategy come out? The building code strategy uh, came out this year. At the beginning of this year, it was completed, signed, and it was presented by Administrator Criswell during the National Hurricane Conference. I think I saw you there, Mark. I was there. You're right. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, it, it was. It was really cool having the the administrator presented, and she signed the. A copy of it. It was such a great experience. Uh, the administrator is on board with building codes. You know, she supports our, our efforts and knows that, that we're making better communities by adopting these codes. Yeah, good example of how, you know, we're out there um, with the emergency manage management practitioners at the hurricane conference, um, really trying to push, um, you know, a focus on building codes. With regard to that strategy, how does that play into those programs, those grant programs that you were just kind of mentioning? Um, as we're trying to improve resilience. Thanks for bringing that up about the, the strategy, because yeah, the, the BRIC program is, is a big tool, but also the, the building code strategy is, uh, is another great tool and effort that, that FEMA has taken on. So the, the main 
if, if I was to summarize the building code strategy and how it's improving communities is to make sure that all of our programs and most importantly, all the projects that are being built across the nation with FEMA funds are using this build, this new building codes. They're, they're using the, the latest building science available, which is um, part of, which is part, it's embedded into these this building codes. And it's because these building codes are updated on a three year cycle. So that the building science uh, makes it in there uh, due to that cycle. Yeah, and I guess some of the information that we provide to the codes process. After a disaster happens, we go out and inspect the buildings. We see what worked, what didn't work. And uh, we compare it to what the codes are now and see is there something we can change in the code so that if a new building gets built or if there's something in the IEBC, we can change that. And then um, future events are less impactful on the community because we can help help buildings um, perform better. All right, so Juan, um, the building code strategy, um, uh, obviously we, we kind of talked about the, the, the release of it, but um, what is actually in it for practitioners, um, for emergency managers, for people who are um, concerned about building codes, uh, and what is really the effect that we're trying to achieve by releasing the strategy? So the building code strategy is an internal document. It's, it's FEMA facing, right? But, but FEMA developed the, the building code strategy to improve building performance by integrating building codes and standards across FEMA, building nationwide capability and expertise, and driving public action. Um, like I said before, we want to make sure that all of our funded projects are utilizing the latest building codes. Um, and we want to make sure that all everybody at FEMA can go out there and talk about building codes. Our planners, when they're helping community planners can integrate building codes in that workflow. Our public assistance folks, after a disaster, they can help communities integrate building codes in the recovery process. Every every aspect, every program, every every project, uh, FEMA funded project should have the latest building science. And the easiest way to do that is uh, by adopting and enforcing the building codes. So not long after the building code strategy was released, the Biden-Harris administration announced the national initiative to advance building codes. And, you know, this, from my understanding, this led to um, the mitigation framework leadership group, which is really heavily supported by FEMA staff. So how do you think that the um, that that will impact the success of um, FEMA's strategy and how will that expand on FEMA's work to improve resilience through building codes? So I, I can just say a couple of things there that um, the first and, and most important thing, like I said before, we want to make sure that if we're spending federal money, we're building everything up to at least the minimum uh, standards, right, which are the, the, the codes. We're providing minimum life safety and, and resilience to, to everything that we build using uh, Fed money. Uh, but also, going back to, to the conversation about uh, getting out there and spreading the word, is that, you know, we have a, a, an audience that, that's always communicating with FEMA. But um, the Department of Energy has another audience, and then um, HUD has another audience. So 
getting everybody to to provide uh, you know to make that push for building codes and providing incentives to for communities to adopt and enforce building codes is also a, a big big lift, right? So so we know that there's some communities out there that want to do the work, but maybe they don't have the 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 money or the capabilities to to do it. Uh, having all of these agencies provide those incentives will will definitely help us get there. That's good to hear. Um, okay, so yeah. you know we talked about how the um, the building strategy kind of integrates with um, some of the other programs and the grant programs that FEMA offers, but you know um, every disaster recovery involves um, real true collaboration and coordination with a, a variety of other um, agencies, federal agencies, and state agencies. And so um, are there other agencies out there that are doing work in building codes? I know HUD, you know, they've been called by, by, by the White House to also uh, push building codes. And in this past June, they released their Resilient Building Codes Toolkit. And it's, it's funny because at the same time, we are building science. We were developing our own publication, and that one's called the Building Codes Adoption playbook for authorities having jurisdiction. This one got released on August 4th, and I was uh, lucky enough to lead the development efforts for that, for that, um, for that publication. They're both complementary products. Uh, they both provide foundational language that will be used by, by the agencies moving forward, and they both make a strong case for adopting modern codes. So there are just a couple of differences. Obviously, HUD is mostly focused on housing, and but and ours, our publication reads more like a playbook. Um, the first section is providing that building code language to make sure that when we say building codes, what are we what are we talking about? So that's the first section of the playbook, making sure that we're talking about everybody is talking about the same thing. Then um, the second part of the playbook is giving those. Um, those officials that want to adopt the code, it provides that that language to make the case to the community. Like like I said earlier, how, how building codes save money, how they provide uh, safety, how they address climate change. The, the sec second section of the book provides all that uh, language to make the case. And then the, the third part of the book talks about the funding opportunities. Like I said earlier, uh, on break and how you can use uh, FEMA funding to actually help you adopt new building codes or or modify the codes that your community has adopted and and other uh, building code activities that could be funded through through FEMA. Are there opportunities out there to expand um, those partners? Um, I think so. Um, back to your question about the other agencies, we also work with with NIST, the National Institute of Standard and Standards and Technology, and um, USFA, the, the U.S. Fire Administration. They're under FEMA, actually, but they're, they're also uh, just got a membership for ICC, so they can vote at the code hearings. I know NIST got theirs as well, so uh, we work with them a lot. I know uh, with WIND, I've worked with NIST a lot, and the other seismic people on our team I've worked with the seismic people at NIST, so we um, we collaborate a lot in that space. And right, and and um, we also have uh, the Building Codes Work Group, which includes uh, external partners like Flash, 
They're a really good partner. They have uh, a website that's that's called No Code Confidence. So that website and, and, and FEMA's website, the Building Code Adoption Tracking Tool, it's where uh, everybody can go and find out what's the code adopted in your specific location. So, so we, we at, at FEMA, at, uh, at the Building Codes Work Group, we're trying to build what is called that coalition, coalition, <laughs> and that coalition includes, you know, other federal agencies um, and partners from nonprofits and and local partners to try to get, you know, get, try to get out there to the community level. And we know we can't do it by ourselves, so we we look to our partners, at Flash and 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 others to to help us spread the the message. And with that group, we had interviewed every other agency just to see what how they're using codes themselves and if they are involved in codes at all too, just, just so we could get like a blanket feel of how everybody in the federal government is using building codes and standards. And then we also did it internally with FEMA, with every component of FEMA. So it was really interesting to see groups that are using or referring to codes that we didn't even know about and then others that we could kind of be like, hey, maybe you should add codes to some of the things that you're doing. So it was really insightful. Hey, so tell me about that process of going out and inspecting um, things that happen after disasters. Uh, do we have specialized teams that go out there and do that? We do. They're the mitigation assessment teams that go out after disasters. It's architects, engineers. We have contractors that are specialists in architecture and engineering along with the ones at headquarters and um, we we go out into the communities we try to find um, essential facilities and see how they performed we also look at residential maybe utilities so you you two are both civil engineers right correct yeah and did you ever think that this is what you would be doing going out on um, the mitigation assistance teams and and sort of analyzing what worked and what didn't work in terms of um, these codes? This became my dream job in college, actually. I went out, I went to Texas Tech and we met up with the FEMA team in the field after a tornado in Oklahoma. That's why I ended up getting my PhD in wind, so I could do this full time. I never dreamed of it. Nope. Never dreamed of it. I just little. I got bit by how they say here. Got bit by the disaster bug in 2011 during um, Hurricane Irene in New York, doing some public assistance work. I was I was a consultant doing uh, design work, civil work, and once I got bit by that disaster bug, never looked back. Thanks for listening to this episode of Before, During, and After, a podcast from FEMA. If you'd like to learn more about this episode or other topics, or have ideas for future episodes, visit us at fema.gov podcast. Thank you.